We would like to apologize in advance for the audio quality of our guests during the first nine minutes of the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Indie Radio, broadcast number 73. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show which airs bi-weeklies on Saturdays at noon U.S. Central Time to help you keep up with the ever-evolving world of indie game development, debate about issues in the indie game scene, and let you into the mind of some of the most interesting people behind the creation of indie games. Today is February 27th, and I'll be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. And I'll be your co-host from the uh, East Coast of the United States. Perfect timing, Ian. Uh, you, you're making me nervous there, but you, you came in perfectly. Oh no! That's awful. Alright, so we've got two guests today. From uh, Checkered Inc., would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Andrew, one half of it. Um, I've been an indie game developer for about 13 years now. Um, and, you know, Checkered Inc. was formed by me and Dan um, about just over half a year ago. And I'm Dan, and I've been an indie developer for probably about two years less than Andrew. Um, <laughs> I'm two years younger, and we're about the same age when we started. So, yeah. Nice. Alright, so as usual, the show is separated into a news segment and then the interview segment. Before we get into the news, uh, we do have an IRC channel for anybody that's listening to this live. Uh, it is on the irc.fnet.org network, or you can just jump into the IRC on the page. The channel is Indie Function, I-N-D-I-E Function, and you can ask us questions, uh, suggest topics, uh, if we miss any, uh, and just, I don't know, chat. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's see here. So, we do have three news topics for today, and if I just open it up. Uh, the first one is the GDC 2016 Challenge, um, which I had never heard of before, but apparently they have a challenge every GDC, um, and this year's is to design a game that takes 30 years to play, uh, which is, like, at first, it's like, what? A game that takes 30 years to play? Uh, but it's really interesting, especially the way that they describe it. Huh? Real time. Oh yeah, real time. <laughs> so, there's a lot of different ways that you can take that. Like, you could make a game that, like, you have to wait. <laughs> or, uh, you could make a game that you actually have to sit down and be active the entire 30 hours. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you could do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a monthly subscription. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the um, the thing is that like games are usually kind of short lived. Um, some games stand the test of time, but it's it's kind of in that vein. Um. I can't find the exact quote on this page. Or maybe maybe I just came up with it in my mind or read it on another article that, that linked to this. But yeah, kind of the, the idea behind that games usually, you know, like there's a lot of games that, you know, take six hours to play. And there's some games that last like a year in, in terms of uh, people actively playing it. But a game that takes 30 years to play, uh, you you guys should all try to try to do this. There's, there's so many different ways to do it, too. But... I 
Ian, do you want to take the next news topic? There was a poll on Twitter by um, Mike Daly, who's one of the lead developers at EAU Games, and he he basically said, "Would you use a Raspberry Pi export?" And it was it was cut in three chunks, uh, almost perfectly. Uh, about one third said yes, I would like to use it to release games. One third said yes, just to play, and a little bit over one third said no, I have absolutely no interest. So considering about two thirds. Yeah, two thirds of the uh, game maker population that, that took that partook in this uh, in this poll said that they're interested. There's a very good likelihood that UE Games will continue forward. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, you guys probably can't say anything. But would you, do you guys still know about the? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you get a Raspberry Pi Zero, which retails for about five dollars. Yeah. Um, I did ask for it to be confirmed that you know, Game Maker Games exported Raspberry Pi would work on that. Uh, you know, so you've got that. You've got the cost of a cheap SD card and very little. You make a little plug and play machine that you know is standalone and has a game maker on it or multiple game maker games. I guess even. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I uh, haven't even thought about buying a Raspberry Pi until I heard about this, and I was like, you know what? I should probably do it. But unfortunately, all the Raspberry Pi Zeros for $5 are, like, impossible to find because... Yeah, I, there's there's a site. That... Oh yeah, he could have left it in his package and <laughs> sold it for five hundred. <laughs> He, he solved it. That's that's why they released this. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, 
So, uh, next news topic, uh, which is our last, unless anybody in the IRC um, has any for us. I'm going to go check in there. Alone with Speak up, Orange. <laughs> yep, it's Orange 08. Uh, so, Hexflixel uh, 4.0.0 uh, released. Because you, you got to have that extra .0. It's very important. Um, <laughs> but basically, on Tuesday, February 16th, uh, the Hexflixel. Flixel team was pleased to report the new version of the game development software um, released, and HexFlixel is based off of Adam Saltzman's Flixel, uh, which was originally for ActionScript 3 for exporting Flash games, and HexFlixel uh, works off of the Hex system, so it can export to Windows, Flash, HTML5. Um, I think somebody was working on a Wii U version of Hex. I, don't quote me on that, but I, I'm pretty sure there were. So, Hexflixel exports to a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, going forward, they're hoping to have a lot more uh, releases. Uh, they will be smaller than their usual release, but they'll be more frequent. So, um, hopefully that'll help them keep a stable API and just be able to add features to the engine more frequently. Uh, have any of you guys used... Flixel or Hex Flixel? I think no, I used Flixel really early on. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, like, I had a very misjudged temporary interest in doing Flash games, like, in about probably 2008 or something. And I tried Flixel, I think, was mm-hmm. about around then, as well as trying to learn Flash itself, and then I kind of realised how stupid it was, and <laughs> never did it again. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, I I was always into Flashpunk. Uh, I didn't like the way that Flixel did things, but I think that's because uh, Flashpunk was written um, more more in mind with the concept that a lot of people that are moving to it are coming from Game Maker, which is what most of us jumping on Flashpunk were coming from. Uh, yeah, I knew a lot of people did move like that. I remember um, Chevy Ray was one of the big ones, wasn't he? Uh, he he's the I guy that made I it. Yeah. He went... Oh. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that would make sense. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, uh, HexFlixel 4.0.0. Let me let me drop the link in the IRC for for a good, good orange and steel golem. But, yeah, Flash is dying, which is definitely true. Um, like, I, I want to say that it's going to be around forever, and it kind of is, but the majority of games are either going to Unity because they have a web player, although that well, the the second point is that Chrome uh, and a lot of the browsers now are disabling Flash and all the plugins, which the Unity plugin is also being disabled so it'll be interesting to see what the future of web games are but yeah, no, HTML5 and Unity are kind of taking over but yeah Alright, so I, I think that's all for our news topics. If if we missed any, or there's anything interesting going on right now, just leave them in the chat and we'll get to them. Or otherwise, we're going to talk with Andrew and Dan here about Checkered Ink. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> party pop noise. Poof! <laughs> Poof! Woo! 
All right. So uh, we had Andrew on way back in June of 2011 on our very first broadcast, uh, which I've been looking everywhere for. Uh, the first eight broadcasts were hosted on the site called Up Your Load, which went down ages ago. And as a result, we lost the first eight broadcasts of Indie Radio, which definitely sucks. So I've been looking for them, and I can't find it. I was going to find it and, like, maybe play a clip or, like, uh, ask you some questions based off of what what had happened then. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to find it. So hopefully I'll be able to find it soon. But I just wanted to bring that up because it's kind of cool because you were, you were our first interview, um, like our first little test to see if, if Indie Radio would even be a... Uh, you know, a possible thing, and now here we are, almost five years later, and we're chatting with you again, and a lot has changed. Yeah, a lot's changed. changed. <laughs> a lot has changed. And then, of course, we also have Dan here. Don't mean to just, like, totally throw him out of the spotlight. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel slightly like an outsider now, like <laughs> I'm outside the original the original indie radio task force. No, 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 you're you're a new addition. <laughs> it's It's been five years. We need new... New fresh faces in here. <laughs> faces on the radio. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's let's uh, I guess talk about the last five years. Um, which one of you guys wants to go first? We I, I kind of want to like. So what, what what I'm thinking is what we can do is we'll we can kind of paint a timeline of, um, like how how you guys got into Checkered Ink and then talk about how it formed, and then we can start chatting about the future and getting into more of more of the deep stuff. So, does that sound alright with you guys? It is a disappointingly yeah, succinct cool. story. It's what? <laughs> it's a disappointingly succinct story. Well, we well, both let's, worked let's at Yo-Yo it. and then we lived together, we got drunk a bit, and then we formed a company and left Yo-Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Whoa! Yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, there is a little bit of extraneous detail here and there, but you know, maybe I shouldn't have summarised this I so think quickly. Quite a lot's happened between 2011 and now. Like, I remember um... very little of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as Andrew says, the well, kind I... of outline of the story is um, Andrew's obviously worked at YoYo Games for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, how long were you there, Andrew? Five years? Something like that. Uh, started in July 2010. Yeah. So, I, I I mean, I've seen Andrew around the Game Maker community and, and spoken to him on the old Yo-Yo Games sandbox and stuff years and years ago when he was first working at Yo-Yo and probably even before that. Um, but I actually joined Yo-Yo in September 2013 and they had this house where people who had moved to the company from far away could come and live rent-free. Um, so Andrew was in there and the the guy called Daddio from the Game Maker community was there. Mm-hmm. Say that as if people and, are going to know who the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> but they might do if they're interested in Game Maker. Um, and, and also Jack, who worked at Yo-Yo Games. And so, um, yeah, I, just, I, I worked and lived with Andrew for about 20 months until I left... Yo-Yo and started up Checkered Inc. And then a few months later, Andrew left and uh, we joined up. And um, that's basically how the company got started. 
we, we kind of both had a similar idea on what we wanted to do post yo-yo and, and figured it was probably better to both do the same thing just on, you know, two, I guess two heads better than one sort of scenario. Yeah, I was, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> two heads, for sure. Um, okay, well, that's that's a very, very to the point, um, easy timeline to follow. Um, so, like, did you guys know each other outside of Yo-Yo games much? Or was it you guys kind of met there and all that? Not, I mean, we'd never met each other before Yo-Yo, before we both worked at Yo-Yo. Um, we'd barely interacted. I remember that um, Dan did a little Let's Play of one of my terrible little um, games that I entered <laughs> into a Game Maker Community Jam once. Um, <laughs> and it was weird, because very recently we were just having a browse through the sandbox and discovered that I'd commented on one of his games from about 2007 or 2008. Uh, with, you know, and that had just happened, and we'd never really kind of clashed into each other in the five years that followed but um it's yeah <laughs> we'd, we'd pretty much not really known each other beyond just kind of being in similar communities um until we were at yo-yo wow <laughs> isn't that so crazy how things happen like that sometimes you just you you had interacted <laughs> before but you never knew yeah yeah like uh at this past indicate i was talking to this guy for, I don't even know, 10, 15 minutes. And I mentioned uh, Indie Function, and he's like, I've heard of that. And I was like, no way. Like, nobody I meet ever is like, oh, yeah, Indie Function, I, I, I know what that is. Sometimes they're like, oh, that sounds kind of familiar, but, like, it's like, what? And then I'm like, what, what's your name? And he's like, oh, my name is uh, Alistar Aitchinson. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know who you are. <laughs> he's like, oh, my gosh, I know who you are. So, like. Whenever, like, things like that happen, especially in the, the game scene, it's just so interesting because it's all online. And then yeah, you just, like, realize that you've interacted with people that you didn't think you had ever interacted with before. I love that. I'm still kind of waiting for the moment when... Um... What was that? Okay, Andrew first. <laughs> oh, no, I, was, I was just going to say, I was just seeing if I could find the sandbox link to... Um to your game which I commented on <laughs> I, I was just going to say I was, I'm, I'm waiting for the moment when we're actually out and about somewhere and we see someone that we've never met playing one of our games on a phone or something that still hasn't happened quite yet in the in the few years that I've been making games for phones and uh, it's just yeah I, I hope that happens sometime soon has that ever happened to you Andrew come across someone playing one of your games when you didn't know them I've I I saw it once. Um, I can't remember where the hell that was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you've stirred up a random memory from a long time ago. I think it might have been at school, like in sick form, because like two thousand and nine was when I was sort of doing pretty well for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I I seem to remember someone was playing. It, it was either the first innocuous or the first maddening. In the IT room. I just kind of walked past it like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Feeling like the biggest badass on the planet. like. And you didn't know them? It was just <laughs> just completely like, random? Well, I mean, I knew them because I was at school with them, but, oh, okay. you know, they hadn't downloaded it consciously aware that it was me that had made it. Oh. They, they were just 
browsing for free games online or whatever. <laughs> ah. Yeah, because I've, I've had that happen, like, at school. Like, I'd, you know, you tell your friends, and they, they tell their friends and stuff. But just a random person, that's... It's happened a lot more fonts than it has for games for me. It's happened what? Certainly. Like... <laughs> With fonts. Oh, fonts. Oh, yeah, the, the, I guess that would make sense, too. Because everybody is, like, constantly looking for fonts if they want to, you know, make their presentations look better. Yeah. Um, th- th- yeah, that's been quite a sort of positive avenue. And it was it was a good thing to get into, because while I was at Yo-Yo, I kind of got burnt out on making games, because, you know, I was making games full-time as a job. Oh, yeah. So it's good to have a secondary thing to do. And it was that. Yeah, so how did you, how exactly did you get going down the font? What what resources were there even, like, to to prompt that? <laughs> I liked fonts, so I googled a font creator and I found one. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty much. I, I think I, I seem to remember that it was a magazine in, like, 2005 or something, which I was just, you know, I'd bought, like, a computer shopper or something. Um, and I seem to remember I was having a look through that and it, it had like loads of introductions on how to use or how to make certain things, and fonts might have been one of them. Um, th- that might be totally wrong. I might be talking total rubbish there, but um, uh, yeah, I, I seem to remember that I got the program then and didn't do anything with it, and from there it just kind of was a buried sort of piece of information waiting for one day for me to go, hang on a sec, I, I fancy making fonts again now. And then actually did you know did it properly this time? Hmm. So which what program do you like using then? I use two. I use um, a sort of free online thing called Fontstruct, which is a very modular. Like you know, you get a grid and you place a certain shape in each square. Um, but for most things now, I prefer Font Creator, which is a paid program and is contour, you know, like vector based. So it's you can make basically anything in that. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Orange asks a question, although I'm not sure if uh, you want to answer. I guess we could rephrase it. Uh, Orange is asking, how much cash have you made from fonts? So I guess we'll rephrase that to, have fonts been um, profitable? <laughs> well, I mean, yes. <laughs> they, I mean, I've never really quite, for the most part, made enough of fonts to live off them. Um but I mean, I've had months where I, I, I mean, I, I could just say it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I've I've probably made about six hundred to seven hundred pounds on a peak month off of them. Hmm. Wow. Which is about maybe a thousand US dollars. Yeah, that sounds about about right. It's it's you multiply that, it that by is, one point four. That is a kind of high end amount. Like you know, if I'm not doing very many, then I'm gonna make a little bit off sort of you know ad revenue and because I release them all as donationware, so mm-hmm. I get in a sort of variable amount from donations as well as ad revenue. Yeah. Wow. No, that's that's not bad. And like, it, how, how long does it typically? I have been downloaded quite a lot. So. How long does it typically take yeah, to like make one of these fonts? Couple of hours. Couple of hours. Not much. Yeah, it's quick. <laughs> well, definitely not that. I've got to streamline the process quite a lot, so it's it is you know nice and lovely and quick now. Hmm. So let's jump back a little bit. So Dan, you said that you started Checkered Ink, and you and Andrew joined on later. Oh. Yeah, I mean, 
we, we both discussed and had kind of an idea, like Andrew said, that post-Yo-Yo games, we wanted to join up and carry on doing what we'd both been doing on the side, but as a company together. So um, I, I was ready to leave before Andrew was. Um, so I started the company up first and put out our first couple of assets and our first app. And then a couple of months later was when Andrew also left Yo-Yo and, uh, and joined on and started making fonts and games and stuff for Checkered Ink. Hmm. So what, what drew you guys together? What, like what, how did you guys know that you were uh, a match for a game development studio. <laughs> um, well, when we lived together up in Scotland, we um, we were entering game jams and stuff at the same time, and we entered one together. I think it was the the indie gamers versus PewDiePie or something. Oh yeah, on game uh, jam. indies, uh, indies uh, versus uh, PewDiePie. Yeah. yeah, we entered a game called Rad Slaughter into that, and we actually did pretty well. We came twenty seventh. Um, I can't remember how many entries there were, but that that was a pretty high percentage up there. So, um, yeah, we worked together on projects that were non-commercial and knew that we could get things done together if we put our minds to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was quite good. Um, and we both have different approaches to doing things. So, like, Andrew can just sit down and program something that works far quicker than I can and actually has the attention span to do it. Um, <laughs> Whereas I, I'm more kind of arty, and I'll go and make a few bits of graphics and throw them at Andrew, and and, and then go off and make a cup of tea or something, um, <laughs> which didn't work out too well when we were making jam games and we had a time limit. But it, it's kind of worked out for the best that we have those two different personalities. I think hmm. we each bring something different to the company. Yeah, because I, I mean, a lot of what we do at Check and Ink is kind of. Um almost separate like um most of our output so far and probably going forward as well less but still some um we yeah we generally do our own thing like um a lot of the games that we've released or pretty much all of them so far under checkered ink have either been dan's or mine um all the fonts have just been mine you know dan's done other stuff by himself as well um so it, it keeps the output coming out but yeah we can do our own thing <laughs> yeah and i i also realize or notice that there's some overlap between um the two of you like you you both do art right uh yeah. or well <laughs> the, each in your own realm. Art on, my, <laughs> on my side um <laughs> well, I, I prefer to like to call his art Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you look at something like our upcoming game, Tick, Tick, Pass, which we've been tweeting about today, if anyone wants to go and check that out, we've got a couple of GIFs up there just showing the gameplay. Um, Andrew did the, the, the de design for that. I mean, it's using Kenny assets, but all the flow of movement of, like, titles coming in on the screen and stuff, Andrew's really good at designing that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he does pretty well on art. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting a uh, a link to the the game. We've done that. Oh, <laughs> oh, never mind. You you already beat me to it. Oh, I I like didn't even realize it was going on. I just pasted it in there. 
and I, <laughs> I did the exact same link you did. <sighs> That's actually the first major project, though, that we've worked on quite closely together. It was Andrew's idea, and he's doing most of the programming, but we've both been collating lists and, and collecting them and putting them in, and um, I'm going to be working on the mobile side of the app. So Andrew's working on the PC side of things, and I'll be mm. working on a companion app where you can type the answer on your phone and it comes up on the PC. So, oh. yeah, it's it's the first thing where we've been working together, I suppose, really. That is so cool. I mean, it's it's well formula it's well formatted for us to work together on it because it's it is a sort of list or a quiz based game. Um, you know, it's so a lot of the work that needs to go into it is literally just filling it with content. So both of us can be filling it with different lists at different times, or one of us can be doing that, and one of us can be working on the game itself. Um, or, you know, just one of us can be working on it, and the other person can be doing something else. It's it's quite a... It, it's a really nicely formatted game, because there's very little opportunity for us to ever clash on something, unless we're both messing with the engine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, this looks really neat from uh, what I see in these screenshots. Thank you. <laughs> we, th- we think it's uh, sort oh. of coming along quite nicely, actually. Like it's you, you can create little people for your um, like you each make a profile for yourself, and you've got a little person that you can totally customize, and you can change your colors and you can change your sound effects when you're playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just you, yeah, you can just haul the game to yourself, and then when you're playing with other people, you know, it kind of starts stylizing itself based on who's playing and. You know, it can uh, eventually. Would like to have things like you can taunt the other person, and it'll you can have customized taunts and customizations, and so, just just loads of things that sort of bring it beyond what a standard quiz game might be. You know, we've played a lot of, um, especially the Jackbox games. Oh, and, those are great! You know, they are immense fun. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of inspiration from that, but we're also trying to keep it separate. So with you know, with the uh, the game, is it in person? Like, using the phone. So it got me thinking, is this, like, via Bluetooth, or is this via, like, internet? Well, I'll let Dan field this question in a second. I'll just mention that, like, originally, um, the idea of the game originally mm-hmm. was that you passed the keyboard. So it's a PC game, and you pass the keyboard around after mm-hmm. you've put an answer in. So you get a list, say, you know, Queen singles. So you'll type in Bohemian Rhapsody when it's your turn, and then you pass the controller, or the pass the keyboard, and then the next person has to put something in in the time limit. Um, but Dan sort of worked, or came up with the idea, you know, based on the Jackbox games, that you could uh, you could instead do it so that you connect your smartphones to it, and each person has their smartphone with a keyboard on it. I'll let Dan explain further, because he's, you know, he's actually working on it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the way it works at the moment, um, there's only a, a small prototype working, but you connect to the same the same Wi-Fi, the same local internet, or mm-hmm. whatever, as the PC is on, and you, you type in the room code or, or the IP address, and up to six players can join the game on their mobile phone, or there'll be an option to have just one mobile phone that you pass around all of the other players if not everybody wants to download the companion app mm. um, but yeah yeah, it works pretty well, it, like I said it either works like Andrew said where you pass it which is where the name Tick Tick Pass comes from uh, or 
there will be a mode where you can all have your phone all typing things like crazy at the same time. Um, <laughs> and we've got a mock-up of kind of the, the squares on the screen will fill in with your player's colour when you're the one who got the right answer. So by the end of the quiz, you can see who's won by the amount of your colour that's on the screen. Um, so that that's, should work pretty well. I imagine design-wise, the two different modes, whether you're passing or whether everybody's just free-for-all, pretty much, uh, are pretty pretty different, then? Like, the dynamic of the whole experience? Or, or are they... I, th- I think it will feel a lot different, yeah. Uh, I am keen to keep it as two different modes, because I think they would be. I like the idea with the passing mode that you... Um, that it's a lot more, kind of, you get the time to think about it. But with the I'm I'm calling it graffiti mode because you know it reminds me of the Tony Hawk's games where you could um, where the idea was to trick on as many things as possible and they'd light up in your colour. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that might be a bit more hectic. Like you'd you'd be trying to think less and more just kind of hitting in anything that you think might be a viable answer for any quiz. But it, it, it's something that we... I mean, we don't have the, the absolute 100% end of gameplay in our head, obviously. We're, we're, we're kind of keen not only to perfect it, but also then to allow lots and lots and lots of kind of options so people can tweak it to whatever they want, really. You know, however they want to play it, they can. They could take the time limit out viably. They could, you know, let people put in five things each of <laughs> whatever, you know. So how are yeah. you guys? Oh, sorry. I mean, I'd say the the mode where you pass the keyboard around, mm-hmm. although you can be competitive with it, and you are supposed to be trying to think about what the next thing is and get more answers than the other player. I'd say it feels a lot more cooperative um, and slow. So if if you don't want to be under pressure, um, then that's the mode you would pick. But if you really wanted to have, I suppose, a party game where everyone is diving in at once and you're being really competitive, then you'd want to play graffiti mode. But like Andrew said, we're hoping that it can be something you can customize so that whatever mood you're in, you can play the game that suits you and your friends. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, I, I just got another question, actually. Um, just got to figure out how to phrase it. Are you guys thinking about keeping the experience pure in the sense that there's not going to be any any variation between matches, so to say? Or have you guys considered the idea of kind of power-ups or, or modifiers while you're playing where, you know, maybe certain people get locked out or something? Is that anything that you guys are thinking of or are you guys against that? What's yeah? What's to me, what's your ground to me, on that? To me, it's <laughs> certainly something where I'd love to go with the same sort of thing that a game like Worms does, mm-hmm. where you can keep it pure or you can have all of these things. Like, um... The game already has sort of certain things. They're not like power-ups where you can competitively use them, but it does have a few things already that modify it from just being like fill in the list. Like so, at the moment we have um, mines, or we call them. I, you know, <laughs> not final word, but <laughs> it's the idea that an, a, a specific thing can have false answers, and Ooh. if you put in a, a sort of a predictable wrong answer then you lose points and you get locked out of the game. Like, oh, you know. <laughs> I, I sort of similar that. to, if you've ever seen QI, fairly similar to the QI's general ignorance round, where they have the siren that goes off if, you know, specifically Alan Davies says something really predictably wrong. 
But um, we also have, um, I don't know if it was shown off in either of the two GIFs, but we also have um, clues. So you can have sort of hints towards the answer on each thing, or you could even make a trivia-based list that is just a list of questions. And, you know, you've got to answer each question separately. Um, And more recently, we've also added image-based quizzes. So you can have something like, you know, name the brand, and it'll give you a list of icons. Hmm. But we're we're well, we're constantly kind of adding stuff to it because you know we just have a good idea and then go, nah, all right, in it goes. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Rip it out again. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that, that constant cycle of iteration. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> so how are you guys saving the lists in the game? Like, is it they also are, they are all txt? Each list is a text file, um, and the game just reads them in at the start of the game or you can trigger it to update mid-game as well. So if you get yourself the game and mm-hmm. you want to add a list, it is as easy as making a new text file, putting in the answers and the sort of relevant details. There isn't much of them and they're not cryptic. Mm-hmm. And then just chucking it in. Done. Wow. Yeah, that's we've even got, simpler than I imagined. We've got over 500 of them already so far, but um, we're, we're gunning for 1,000. And I would also like... Maybe not in the first version, but maybe in a sort of very close one. To just have an in-game thing where you can very quickly import a list or you can add your own and, you know, it just gives you the ability to um, add every option. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Wow, text files. <laughs> See, here, here yeah. I was, like, waiting, like, are they using XML? Are they using YML? Are they... Are are they using this? Are they using that? Nope, no, it's just straight up text files. Yeah, I mean, it it, it literally just has like a folder of lists and and it separates them into categories and then subcategories and the game just, you know, at the start of it just rifles through it all and goes, right, that's all sorted, job done. Let's play. So is it it pretty much just you you just type it in, each line is a different answer for the most part? Yep. There are special characters that the engine reads. So, like, there are certain characters that we have to put into the lists to make it a mind question, like Andrew described, uh, and Mm -hmm. things like that. It it reads it in a very specific way. I I guess it's almost like we've created, or Andrew has created, a simplified kind of language that is easier to read in GML, because reading XML files or something like that in GML just gets a bit complicated and mm-hmm. it's more complicated for us to make i mean this way we can just kind of type out our list as you said <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's pretty good because you can go on something like wikipedia find mm-hmm. yourself you know a list of say countries um you just copy the uh, table stick it into excel oh, copy the the one column that has all the answers in it paste it into a text file done You've got yourself a TXT file that can just go into the game. It's it's you know easy as that. Whoa. So in theory, people like if if you were in some kind of really niche fandom and you wanted your own list, you could you could go on a wikia for your fandom or something and find a list of the things you want and make your own quiz and share them around that community or something. And then like you our personal copy has da- like our personal copy has Daddyo games in it. <laughs> Harold <laughs> yeah. himself can't get more than three answers in because of how weirdly he spells all of his game names. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
I would have never thought of the Wikipedia thing. Like, just being able to copy and paste. That's ingenious. Well, it was all born from the fact that I... About a week prior to starting TikTok Pass, I started it last year before we even started Checkered Ink. Um, I, I started it literally just to, um, to like as a way of trying to entertain me, Dan and Daryl. Um, <laughs> so I, I was trying to see how quickly I could make something that was legitimately playable in a sort of you know let's let's have a few drinks and play a game kind of setting. Uh-huh. And I managed to get about fifty, I think, in it for the first version, and it just worked. But yeah, I'd learnt text how to do the text file thing sort of prior just for a different game and had gone yeah. I mean I've used that in multiple things now, like basically any puzzle game I will make it in the text file format so I can expand it really easily. Um, how do you go about if there's like say multiple ways of spelling a word or things like that, um, or multiple kind of correct answers for one thing in the list, do you have like a way of approaching that or is that just We have so we have two different systems. Um, one is Dan's mentioned the syntax in the text files. Um, now the, this is all based on each line has one answer on it, and then after you've written the answer, you can put one bar, two bars, three bars, or four bars, or you can do like multiple things. Um, if you put one bar and then write something else, it will accept that as an answer as well. So you can say. Uh, so let's say you're doing wrestlers and one of the answers is The Rock. You could put The Rock, single bar, Dwayne Johnson, swing single bar, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, double bars add as a trap. Uh, three bars adds the clue and four bars uh, adds an image to it. Um, oh, but there's also a, a sort of format standardizer in the game that flattens everything. So it will turn Roman numerals into normal numbers. It will turn um, American spellings into British spellings, or the other way around. I can't remember which way, but, I mean, fundamentally, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It'll do mm-hmm. things like change doctor and saint to the shortened versions, just so, you know, if someone puts in Mount Everest with MT as Mount, then doesn't matter if the actual answer is Mount spelt out. Stuff like that. There's there's absolutely loads of it in there. Like, it, it's quite a long process to go through <laughs> it all. Yeah, when, whenever you're working with text and you're, you're checking answers, there's so many little loopholes. But, like, Roman numerals would have been one that I wouldn't have thought about until, like, post-shipping, and it's like, oh, crap. I mean, a ton keeps... of this stuff is literally just things that have come out of trying it. Like, um, I remember when, I, th- I think it was St- Spielberg films, and none of us could work out why Back to the Future 2 wasn't working. And it was because the official titles are Back to the Future Part 2, Back to the Future Part 3. So, (laughs) you know, so I included something in the general thing to take out. I I can't remember if I took out the word part or just added alternates in that to make Back to the Future 2 work for Back to the Future Part 2. But, you know, it's through testing it that, you know, loads of these things are flagged up that I wouldn't have thought of originally. You know, things like Mrs. and Mr. as well just flattening them so they're spelled out or the other way around. So is most of the time now being spent not so much on like building the initial like list file <laughs> for something, but really just testing it and making sure it's like actually all easy to answer? Well, the, we uh, at the moment, testing kind of comes naturally. Like, we, we both just play it. <laughs> it's the sort of thing yeah. where, you know, it doesn't matter that we've done the lists. I, I know Dan's got a fairly decent memory but 
I'm not very retentive. <laughs> I, 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 I can do a list or play a list five minutes after putting it into the game and have forgotten everything except what I already knew. <laughs> awesome. So you know, like we'll we'll be adding lists, and I'll just I'll just run it to see if it works, and you know, open it and give it a play, and you know, it might open up things that I need to put in as alts or things that I need to sort of you know fix, because you know sometimes the um, the filter will go a bit haywire and accidentally change something totally wrong. So does Game Maker Studio have um, regex? Uh, functionality, or are you guys doing a lot of this by hand? Uh, what? Sorry? Uh, Regular expressions? Is there any uh, support for that in Game Maker Studio, or is it all just like you're going through and looping through the characters and uh, converting case and stuff like that? I would imagine that it probably does have that. I've never heard of it, and I do Um, pretty much all of it myself. No, it, it doesn't. I think if you want regular expressions in Game Maker, you have to uh, check out the marketplace. There are a few assets that people have uploaded there that do it, but um, like Andrew said, he's just coded the kind of Ooh. the syntax reader himself. Mm. Okay. The, the the thing that does it would probably make you cry. It's almost certain. <laughs> well, Regex makes me cry too. So. Um, yeah. That's... <laughs> No, I, I'm sure both of them are both equally um, tear-inducing. But if, if it works, that's and it, you can you can add on to it. That's all that really matters in the in the end, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what we need. So yeah. So like, ha- have you had to rewrite your the uh, the text component or text reading component a few times or that bit? That piece specifically, I made sure to actually do correctly. Because I am normally very bad at just kind of um, just doing things as quickly and as easily as I can and then, you know, ending up biting me in the back uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one specific thing I wrote correctly the first time I did it because I knew that I would have to continuously come back to it. And I made sure that everything I did was done in a way where I could add to it. You know, other parts of the game, no, I have had to fix them. Like, the game still at the moment is hard-coded to work in 1920 by 1080. So it will just scale itself down if you scale it down, but it doesn't have resolution independence or anything, which is kind of a bad thing for a game like that. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You know, hey, so are you guys planning on having something uh, similar to responsive design on websites where the UI components will... Um, you know, re- reorder themselves based off of the the ratio of width to height and the the actual dimensions? Or are you guys mostly just going to do a scaling type thing? I mean, for the game, or for Tick Tick Pass itself, I, I don't know yet, to be honest. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, the, the questions themselves sort of do that kind of thing anyway, because I programmed the game so it has no assumptions on what it's receiving so if it if you give it a quiz with five answers it will display the five answers in the, in the center of the screen and that's it if you give it a quiz with 600 answers and they are in there already probably need to be removed because everything's too small mm-hmm. the game will try and redraw it at full full or try and draw it at full size go now nah, this isn't going to fit and then it will just keep scaling it down until it works hmm. so it, it it does kind of it is is trying to be quite clever and I'd imagine that 
you could probably do it pretty okay, um, you know, at a smaller scale or even at, with the resolution independence in there. But I mean, I don't know that it will be as smart as, say, a lot of websites are nowadays, where you know everything just kind of scales so it looks perfect, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with with uh, working with each other. Do you find that you guys are able to manage time and delegate tasks pretty easily? Or what, what have we you guys don't. done to make sure that that's okay? <laughs> we, we sort of don't. Um, we're absolutely god-awful at that so far. Uh, we should probably fix it. But, um, yeah, we honestly do not actually really kind of... Like, if we're doing stuff by ourselves, we might designate a sort of... Um, a deadline and you know a release date and whatever like i i did that with um maddening relapse 2 because i wanted to release it on the sixth anniversary of the first game um so that worked but i mean with tick tick pass we don't have a sort of a, a deadline or anything out there we just we're gonna try and sort of start getting the word out and then we'll work out a deadline when we've got an idea of when the deadline would be realistic <laughs> but yeah we're, we're a bit um you know, it might turn out that tomorrow we fancy making something else, like a Pokemon clone, so we'll just, yeah, screw this TikTok fast crap, let's go and do that. Yeah, so, I mean, so, you heard it here actually, first. Like, managing our, our day-to-day times, we're currently both working from completely opposite sides of the country, and only communi- communicating through Skype. So, um, but that works out pretty well, but we don't always get to work at the same time um, and, and sometimes we'll be sort of away from keyboard for long periods of time but so far it's it's working out okay like as long as we let each other know in advance kind of the previous day whether we'll be working on the Tick Tick Pass project itself or whatever we haven't ever clashed on anything or, or messed up any versions or anything like that so it works out yeah, with, fairly nicely With Tick Tick Pass being something that we're both working on we 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 do have a bit more at the moment we have a bit more kind of you know i'm going to be out today so i'm not really going to be doing much work or i'm going to be here doing a bit more until about 7 p.m just because i feel like it mm-hmm. um and we we do generally sort of just keep tabs on what the other person's doing so we don't clash on anything uh which has worked for us fine so far although you know we are disorganized <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, the thing is, it, it kind of works for us. Like, um, you know, we output a lot of... Uh, any, everything that isn't Tick, Tick, Pass that we do at the moment is quite quick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dan might occasionally make a mobile game or I might occasionally make a font. When I say occasionally, I mean I might repeatedly make fonts and have <laughs> no regard to how good they are. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we we just like to fire content out and have a good stream of it. It's only recently that we've started going, right, let's get this tick tick pass thing. This is quite, you know, this has got potential. Let's work on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, actually work on it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a key thing at the start, was getting out as much good content as possible, as quickly as possible, to kind of make a name for ourselves. And actually, a few people did comment, like, back in the first few months or so when we were pumping out loads of fonts and games and stuff they were like wow you guys are working on this really quickly for two people um, but yeah it's good to settle down a little bit now and just try and make something a bit bigger and more cooperative I guess huh. see I, I was expecting you guys to say that you know you use slack or something um, like Ian and I use it for indie function 
and even though a lot of our our channels are for miscellaneous stuff, um, we we really like the uh, con- uh, c- uh, compactness of being able to. Um, what's what's the word that I'm looking for? I, I don't even know. Basically, like you can make channels for each different discussion, and since you guys work on so many different things. I would have imagined you guys have you you would have been using something like Slack, so you you have channels, so you could have like a font channel, and you could have a, a channel for <laughs> well, some, something or that's a remnant from or something. Mm-hmm. So something it's a remnant from YoYo, but we we use Skype. Just you know, um, me and Dan aren't the only people in a little group. We've got a little group where we just mostly jabber about stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's me, Dan. It's Daryl again. Um, and it's uh, Mark Alexander or Nocturne. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know we've known each other, or you know we we became friends uh, at YoYo, and we've just kept the sort of Skype chat going since. And that's basically where we do all of our talking. Like you know, with something like fonts, I don't tell Dan anything. I I'll, I'll post a link to it once I've put it out there. But you know, fonts for me are very spontaneous. I don't have a plan with them. I don't even often have a good idea what they're going to look like when they're finished, mm-hmm. when I'm starting them. I will normally just play about with contours until they resemble letters and then go, yep, yeah, that's that's perfect, great, <laughs> throw that one out. Um, Plus, like, my idea for, my, my eye for the font design is terrible. On several occasions, like, I've put a font in a game or in a design and Andrew has just said, that is a hideous font, get rid of it. Um, so I don't think me having any kind of creative input on Andrew's fonts would make them any better. I'd just probably make them worse. So, yeah, pretty much communication on things that we do separately. We'll, like, post it into the group, maybe have a tiny bit of feedback, but mostly just, oh, hey, that looks cool. Um, and, and then we move on and do the next thing. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, if it works for you guys, then absolutely. But, yeah, no, it's, it's just surprising to me. But that's probably just because we're very different people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, me and Andrew are very different people ourselves, and the way we work is quite different. So it helps to communicate. I think it actually helps to communicate in a less structured way so that we can give each other a little bit of leeway and go and do our own thing and then come back and show each other what we've done in the meantime. All right, so let's go back to the IRC and see if anybody's... Ah, the IRC's so quiet today. Why? Why are you so quiet? Uh, we still have Steel Golem in there. So, Steel Golem, ask some questions. Make up for the quietness. Um, otherwise, what's, what's this? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you guys are working on uh, Coalition, is it pronounced? Yeah, that's, that's one of Dan's things. I'll, I'll let Dan field all discussion on that because that is Dan's. All right, so <laughs> let's. Where, where do you want to begin? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Do you have any specific questions, or shall I just rattle off a kind of basic overview of the thing? Yeah, just give a little overview of what it is and the Kickstarter, I guess. Okay, can... so basically, I am a huge politics nerd. Um, I'm a member of a, a party here in the UK and I follow politics very closely and um, something that seems to be coming more and more apparent at least in European politics is that 
it's not just a decision between two parties anymore. It kind of is in the US, obviously, but mm -hmm. in Europe, a lot of the time, one party doesn't win an election anymore, and you need to form an alliance. Um, and that's basically what the game is based on. So it's a card game where you have to form an alliance of various different coloured ministers um, and, and achieve a kind of coalition government before the opponent can do the same. Um, and really, there, there are quite a few big elections this year. Obviously, you've got the, the US main general election. Um, mm -hmm. And there are elections all around the UK and all around Europe. So it felt like a really good time to do it. Um, a lot of people seem to have had the same idea. So it, it's quite difficult fighting for Kickstarter space at the moment because there are several different projects kind of like ours going on at the same time um which which kind of leaves us underwhelmed in some senses but it, it's also getting a good gauge of whether people actually like these ideas and want to see more of these politics games and and i think people in general do um but yeah it, it's it's just a fun little two-player game it takes about 10 minutes to play and uh we're we're hoping to at least put it out on GameCrafter or some similar website. But if we could make the Kickstarter goal, then it would be fantastic for us to kind of make a, a bulk order of them and try and build a real community around the game. Mm -hmm. You So you mentioned um, GameCrafter before uh, the show, and then you just mentioned it again, but I have no idea what GameCrafter is. You, is it like... It's, it's, um, it's a website where... There's, there's no upfront cost to the studio developing the game. So it sells board games and card games and things like that. Mm -hmm. and the reason we started the Kickstarter is because we wanted to build as many copies of the card game as we could and then sell them you know, from, from our own website with our own branding. And that also would have brought the cost down mm -hmm. if... We don't make the Kickstarter goal. We'll be using GameCrafter, which means that they only print a copy of the deck when somebody wants one, mm. which kind of drives up the price a little. But yeah. it, it's still not so bad. It's still only maybe like $13 for a deck or something, whereas we'd be selling them for about $10. So it, it doesn't make a huge difference, but it's just a, a fallback just in case we're, we're sort of out-competed on the Kickstarter market. Mm, I gotcha. The funny thing is that isn't even our only card game. Like Dan, Dan made Coalition, and that is largely his own work. But at the same time, I did one myself as well. But like, to, in order to keep Coalition a bit more, you know, out there and you know, give it the spotlight it deserves, I, you know, I've got mine on standby, ready for afterwards. <laughs> so wait, so how, how many card games are you guys working on? One each. One each. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, mine. Mine is not actually. Mine's kind of like it's. It's on. Well, it's it's totally finished, but mm -hmm. it's it's totally on hold as well at the same time. Um, like it's like cause mine's a very different idea to Dan's. Dan's is an actual sort of you know a proper card game. Like you know, it's a every card is a de dedicated to the one game. I've kind of got a weird one that's sort of got a bit of everything on each card. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just a way of a, of playing established games already. Hmm. But, you know, that's that's a, something that I won't be looking at for another month or two at least, you know. It'll be post-Tick-Tick-Pass and post-Coalition. 
I love how you guys are breaking the typical game studio mold, uh, and you guys are you guys are creating so much, so much different stuff. Like you, you guys have the card games, um, you actually have yeah. games, uh, fonts. You're just a creative studio, all, just doing all this different stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we like to we like to do a lot of varied stuff because I, I think that keeps it fresh. If you just make games over and over again, you find yourself making the same stuff. So, like Andrew said, when he was working at Yo-Yo, he found himself a bit burnt out on making games as his day jobs. So that was where fonts kind of came in as another creative outlet. Um, and card games are just something... I've, I've always found myself making card games, even when I was little i'd like make my own fake pokemon cards or my own fake Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> cards or something so um and just draw like my own stupid little creatures and stuff like that so it was something i've always wanted to do and as part of the coalition kickstarter we do also want to make an app version of it so you could play it on your phone and stuff as well but it was primarily a card game for the sake of making a card game um <laughs> just because it, it does help to to do those separate things, I think it keeps us flowing and coming up with new ideas that we might not have thought of if we were just making games all day. Hmm. And it's another of those things that we have a lot of interest in, both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, it started off in 2013 with, with got a board game as well as two card games, but that's not even something we've actively developed since starting Checkered Ink. But, um, yeah, it's... it's yeah, we've we've got a board game as well. <laughs> <laughs> that that was originally more of like a private thing that we made at the house. To it, it was a drinking game essentially, but um, it it was really fun. So we did kind of develop that into a board game, but we've just not really touched it since, I suppose. It's still sitting there ripe for the finishing, but you know, <laughs> yeah. there's too much other stuff at the moment, and you know, a board game is more of a risk than a card game because. The components are going to make it really expensive, considering yeah, I think it's a fairly basic game. At this point, we it, it's actually become apparent that we do need to knuckle down and try and finish one or two things at a time. Um, so production has slowed down a little bit. We've stopped throwing out so many completely different things, and uh, that's why we've been working together on Tick Tick Pass and, and why we built the Kickstarter for Coalition to try and get a, a big project off the ground. Um, and focus our energy on that as well as making all these side projects. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, uh, since you guys said that you were thinking about doing a mobile version of the card game, uh, you could potentially have it so every time somebody purchases the mobile version, it discounts the card game or the, the actual physical edition for somebody else. So it would be like, if, if you get the mobile version, you're you're saving someone money. I, I don't know. It was just some idea that I got. Is, is that cool or is that dumb? I, I think the know. other way around would probably be a slightly more practical one, but I don't think either of us have ever thought of it. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I think if you got a physical version of the card game and it had some kind of code in it to get the digital version mm. free or something, I think that would be that would probably the be way simpler. around to do it if that was going to happen. <laughs> but I think that's a... A long way in the future. Yeah, um, I suppose it is. Yeah, it was yeah. just some weird idea that I had. I thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> so, yeah, so you guys were part of the Yo-Yo Game Sandbox way back in the day. 
Um, yeah. It's strange how often that comes up. Like, I, I talk with people, and it, it comes up every once in a while, and it's just... Well, there were a ton of people on it, like, at one mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, t- sort of the the glory days of, you know, 2007 to 2009 or so. <laughs> it really was the kind of... That wasn't only the point when the sandbox was pretty much the biggest place you could go to do game maker games. It was also in that weird time before indie was a big mainstream thing mm-hmm. where like uh, people were separated. It, it was odd. Um, you know, like most game maker developers would be posting their games to a game maker community. Like, a, you know, a community of people that use Game Maker or are interested in Game Maker games. Yeah. Nowadays, you just don't get that so much. Like, you know, things like 64 Digits used to be a Game Maker thing, but is now an indie website. Oh, yeah. Uh, most big sort of places like Game Jolt and Indie DB and, you know, various things like that are all indie-based. <laughs> you know, like it's it seems like everyone's sort of originally branched out and then kind of all came into the one place and you know now indie is just it's indie no matter what you make the games with yeah, but there no. was definitely that time in sort of 2008 to 2009 where all the biggest people that used Game Maker were in the place where Game Maker only games could be shared Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, Game Jolt and uh, I'm just curious about because uh, well, I know you were there very early on uh, with Game Joe and everything, one of the first users. Um, and so I'm curious what your thoughts are on how it's kind of evolved in the uh, past few years. I've loved it, to be honest. <laughs> it's you know, first of all, it was it was sad to see it go sort of downhill, um, which was about 2011-ish. Because mm, um, yeah, you know, it's, it started off as quite a nice place to be in 2009 um, and then it just seemed to sort of slowly dry out like a lot of people left it and it sort of you know just kind of it declined a little bit um, I stopped using it for a while uh, about 2012 and then when I came back to it it was massive and I don't know what happened I genuinely don't but it's it's you know nowadays it's great I, I think it's you know the best it's ever been although you know it is you know it was nice to be all nostalgic about the early days look at me I'm an old person sort of thing Um, but yeah I mean I I think it does really well now it's nice to see you know instead of getting people like me to sponsor their competitions they've got people like PewDiePie (laughs) you know (laughs) successful people (laughs) yeah uh, Ian and I were going through the old designs the other day and uh, we were looking at some design from 2010 because we were comparing the designs, because we, we were doing this whole design critique, just the two of us, between like each iteration and what it does well and what uh, what downfalls it has. And there was, on the sidebar, there was a competition hosted by GameJolt, and and now. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> yep, perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was when it was one of its most dead. Like, it's weird to think that, you know, a, a, a site that went from a competition hosted by me getting ten entries or something to... You know, um, a few years later, it was by PewDiePie and got 700, 800 odd. Like, <laughs> and then the one after got about that much as well, um, with Markiplier and mm-hmm. that septic person as well, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and then they just had the, uh, the what is it, um, GDC, the GDC Jam. And I, I, don't, I don't even think I know how well that did. Let me, let me go check. Okay, did you guys hear about that one? Uh, yes, I 
I entered something into the um, the the sort of pre-made game section. I was going to make a separate game that was sort of you know new for the mm-hmm. um, for the jam section, and my game was utter utter badness. <laughs> it was not not good. Um, that was stupid. I mean, it probably, it probably would have got points just based on how dumb it was, but. It was it was a physics based thing where two little maggots with with hands beat the heck out of each other and were tied <laughs> to each other. And it was like a mixture of tug of war and beating the crap out of each other. It, was, it sounds fun it was, though. It, you you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I might revisit it one day when I'm drunk or you know not not with it. <laughs> Yeah, so I just took a look at it, and there were 127 games submitted to the the Weekend Jam version of it, um, which is where they had to make a game based off of a theme in 72 hours. And then there was 176 games entered into the, uh, you know, the, it's kind of hard to say, but the, the version of the Jam that you could enter games made in the last year, basically, yeah. The submission. Yeah, the submission one, I guess. (laughs) I'm surprised it was that low, to be honest. All you had to do was stick a little hashtag in the description and you were done. Yeah, I I was expecting thousands, which is why I was like, I I shouldn't even bother sticking a thing in. Like, all my games have just been little jam games. They're not going to compete against anything. (laughs) I threw Maddening Relapse 2 into it. It came like 90-something because I didn't promote it (laughs) or anything. Which was a bit poor, but you know, mm-hmm. life. Yeah, Dan, are you on Game Jolt? Uh, yeah. I mean, we have the shared Checkered Ink account. Oh, and of course. I do have, I do have an old, an old account called Worm in the Works. I'm sure there's some stuff up there, but the old pretty... shared Checkered Ink account is technically now. Um, yeah. <laughs> like just to but keep I mean... this, just until the um, uh, I I believe there's meant to be a page. Uh, section like sort of or you know the ability of upload paid games coming to it mm-hmm. um, at which point I'd like to separate check but yeah at the moment no. you know, yeah you know. <laughs> I mean I do have an old account that's like worm in the works um, but but they are like supremely old games I think the last one I uploaded was probably 2010 or something so they're not great <laughs> they're still made with like the old versions of Game Maker that crash on Windows 10 and stuff so. <laughs> uh, Game Maker 8 yeah, I think that yeah, was, that something was eight, like that. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, I still use Game Maker Eight every once in a while, just because I don't know. Sometimes Studio just feels a bit overkill. Yeah, it, we had to use it um, at Yo-Yo Games. Like I was on customer support, so I had to use the old versions of Game Maker quite a lot. If someone mm. even came in with a Game Maker Seven problem, we would try and sort it out a little bit. I think they've stopped doing that now because obviously Game Maker 7 is hideously old and nobody wants to support a product that old. But um, yeah. yeah, we did have to continue using it, but I can't say I use it at home at all. I'm just too used to studio now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I miss it, like, oh. things like not having the F2 as a re- uh, rename. It's just... No. <laughs> and the lack of search and scripts as well. I can't remember if they added that to 8.1 or studio, but... oh. Eight doesn't have that. It's horrid. Wait, it doesn't have what? It doesn't have the bit like searching scripts. You can't search all code. Oh yeah. For something. 
which is I, I didn't like, even know you I can't do, that, do with that because I lose things too much too easily. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they they have that in studio. I I've that's something that I've wanted forever, and it's in studio. Wow, how, how do you how do you do that? <laughs> what search and script? Wait, it, it searches it's across all scripts? resources drop down, I think, isn't it? Is it resources yeah. or scripts drop down or something? It's at the top. Yeah. I think it's like what? Control Shift oh. and F or something. Well, yeah, you this, can also filter my way life. you search, so you can only search like four sprite names or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's lovely. Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, it... I, I waited ten years of my life for that to be a thing in game maker. <laughs> the day I got it was just, oh. Wow. I did not. I had to restrain myself from going and giving Mike and Russell a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> just, just show up at the offices. Thank you. Well, I, I was suppose... at the offices at the time, so you know. I, yeah. I suppose you were working there when they added it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it was only a sort of ten meter walk to go and give him a hug if I wanted to. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, oh, it's looking in the chat. Wits put a link to your guys' Kickstarter. Cool, cheers. Uh, huh? Thanks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, um I think we've kind of gone over all the past, the present. Uh you guys said something about maybe doing something with Game Jolt being paid. I I, I think Well I mean if if Game Jolt adds paid support mm-hmm. then I I know Dan doesn't have much of a connection to it, but I'll definitely be looking to support it because, you know, I I'm Game Jolt for life sort of thing um, and I definitely want to be one of the first and I definitely want to be one of the sort of continuing people mm-hmm. to you know support it yeah um, I, know... I mean I've, I've got sort of like the um, what was it called the API I've put that in at quite a few free games already so it'd be nice to start getting things like achievements into um, paid games you know it'd be nice to stick something like innocuous and have that uh, with a full achievement list and Everything. Yeah, because Rotten, or oops, uh, Revenge of the the Mutants, the uh, the Thunder Gun game, that was paid on Game Jolt, right? Yeah, Terra got that, and then nobody else did. And I just, oh, I want it. <laughs> I think it's open yeah. to a very limited number of people to begin with, isn't it? Yeah, uh, no, it was open the to waters, her. I think, with, with, yeah. She 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 was allowed to put one thing onto it, and then nobody else got it. And I was just sitting there mortified because I had Innocuous sitting there and I was like, come on! Cross! <laughs> I want it. Give it now. Maybe they're like ironing out the creases based on that first test game or something. Yeah. And Iron out my creases. I, I, I and the it. other thing is that, like, it's just the two of them. It's just um, David and uh, Yaprak, you know, working on the entire game. So, or <laughs> the entire site, I mean. Uh, yeah. Not the entire game. So just between them, like it is a lot of work. So I imagine it's maybe on their list, but like they they've been I doing so, it. just just this past week they put out um, a new forum update. Uh, they've been doing some stuff with chat recently. So I yeah, imagine it has been it's... evolving a lot recently. It's it's been all positive from what I've seen. Yeah. So, like, I, I wonder where it is on their priority list to, you know, look into that. Or if they're kind of doing it in the, in the shadows. Who knows? Because I, I imagine their list of stuff to do is just enormous. And then they're also doing GDC next month, so... Maybe... Yeah, I just know I need it. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, 
but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that we bring that up though, because Game Jolt also has the GDC booth, which is all about Game Jolt being about free indie games, which is what it's been from the beginning. So, but I, I think it it would be very interesting to see them kind of switch away from that, but uh, that would be like a major shift for them. So that's probably why they're kind of hesitant to do anything with that. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to see them switch away from it. I I would like to see paid things become a kind of a possibility, but not a priority, I guess. Yeah, maybe like on a separate section of the site, like the, the Game Jolt store. Or... Yeah, because I remember um, Thundergon got a lot of flack because people, you know, have grown to expect Game Jolt to be all well, free. And they, and they really... saw that game and were like, oh, that looks nice, let's go and play it. <gasps> PayPal link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, I mean, as far as I saw anyways, there also wasn't much announcement about, like, hey, we're putting a paid game on Game Jolt, so that's where, like, it's extra confusing for people to yeah, really stumble across that and be like, what? Did I yeah, go to a different soft. site on accident? I don't know. <laughs> oh, now hack the site! Or, I mean, Rotten Tater hacked the site! You know. <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing a comment about that, and I was like, what? <laughs> that makes no sense. I just remember going, I want it. Give it. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I hope that they do uh, go down that path because it would be, it'd be interesting to see lots of people being able to sell games. And I know uh, Itch.io uh, allows you to do that, but I, there's like a certain level of... I don't know what the word is. Like, Itch.io, all the pages are different, so it's it's kind of like... It's almost like community websites more than a community Yeah, of... yeah it's kind of like the difference community between... Community of many stores for games, but... Mm-hmm. We do, like... of course, have an Itch.io page, though. Yes, mm-hmm. I just saw that, actually. I was going to bring it up, so I checked, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like the difference between MySpace and Facebook, almost. Like, MySpace had super customizable profiles, but you get some awful designs, and it's just like... <laughs> super super inconsistent uh themes yeah. whereas facebook yeah. like hardly allows you to modify it at all um and then everything looks kind of i don't want to say professional because that's not the word i'm looking for because there are some professional looking itch it's consistent itch, and it's easy to find what you're looking for though and mm-hmm. that's something that's good when you're trying to search through and find games and that's part of where i think itch has kind of a a little bit of a shortcoming when it comes mm-hmm. to the categorization and actually searching through and showing here's some games you might like and things like that. Game Jolt has a lot more experience with that because thanks, thanks for reminding me of my MySpace, by the way. <laughs> just, just people that have like put in like incomplete, terrible PHP into their website or their page and and you know change the background for some GIF blingy kind of you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Nobody does that. <laughs> Itchio have recently kind of branched out and done that whole Steam app looking thing, though, haven't they? That kind it's of game joke. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. doing a client. It's cool nowadays. <laughs> but I think the client takes out the whole um, like aspect of not being able to find what you want because everyone's pages look different I think the client kind of standardizes everything obviously you don't always want to download a client to play games but mm-hmm. I think that was a good directional yeah, move oh, on their part so itch um, their their client makes all the pages look the same I think so 
I downloaded it and looked at all of our pages, and everything seemed to have been stripped off of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, part of that might. It's a shame because I put a large amount of effort in making the. <laughs> I I wonder if it's um, them wanting to just make the client you know more consistent, or if it's a uh, a technical constraint because is the is the client a uh, Chrome you know web view or is it something else? I, I think as that's... far as I could tell, I mean, I didn't play with it very long. Like I said, I downloaded it mostly to check that our stuff looked okay and that we hadn't, you know, <laughs> made it look disastrous <laughs> on the client. Yeah. Um, but it, it just seemed to be a bit more like a, an, an actual Windows application rather than a website crammed into a frame. I gotcha. Hmm. So that that could definitely be why, because if if it is that, then H or CSS styling isn't gonna, you know, apply to anything in just a window exe. Yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, I I like that the both both of the sites kind of go in their own directions, and even though that that was probably unintentional that they went in different directions with their clients, but like I don't know. It makes it interesting because you can compare and contrast and yeah, be a fanboy of one and you know <laughs> <laughs> ignore the other. <laughs> I don't. I don't the do H- that. The HIO client's actually also open source, so uh, if you really are curious about how it's built, mm-hmm. it, well, and according to uh, GitHub, it says that's like almost all just web technologies. There's like a tiny bit of shell, and then it's uh, all JavaScript. I think Game Joe played there, so. Oh, yes, and the entire front end of GameJolt is also now uh, open source on GitHub, so you can kind of try to contribute. Um, I feel like that I've been seeing a fair bit of activity from uh, other people actually helping out with the project now, so it's mm-hmm. kind of It was cool. like David DeCalmo and went, huh, you can make your client open source, well, we'll make the entire website. <laughs> <laughs> Do your one to you. <laughs> oh, man. So somebody could just, like, get GameJolt2.com and just make a completely different site. Or just make the same website with. Oh yeah, make, make the same site and just put up their own ads. Yep. Or put up a store. Be the first one to. Ah, now we can. Okay, we got you now. We got this covered. <laughs> make a go. version we... that automatically filters all Five Nights at Freddy's fan games. <laughs> <laughs> that would immediately become popular. Yeah. Or it, it, like it just the users that upload Five Nights at Freddy's Undertale. Um, what, what other game does everybody copy? Um. Slender. Oh yeah, Slender. Uh, like all three of those mashed up, their user just doesn't exist on that site. I haven't made a Slender fan game. Wait, <laughs> what? No, not no. What? No, oh, no. I mean, like oh, if if I they remember. make a mashup. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's on that. I made one which had overly attached girlfriend as the yes. Slender. <laughs> I, I don't know why I did that. I, yeah. See, but at least uh, it kind of it feels very like satirical when it were like kind of like a parody and everything when it's it has that much it, old don't into one it, thing. Don't, make it, like... don't put a positive spin on it. It wasn't. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, is there anything else going on in the chats? Ah, oh, quiet, quiet chats. All right. So. I think we should probably wrap this up pretty soon here. We're reaching the hour and a half, and we've gotten through everything. Uh, there is one thing that I found earlier today that I definitely wanted to uh, ask about. Let me let me just put it in the in the chat here. 
and you it's an image and you guys can you know tell me how the how it's coming along or i suppose dan you're on your phone it's uh it's your image that says game maker microwave yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that, that was pretty good actually um that was my um that was while just after i'd become the community coordinator at yo-yo games um and all the playtech stuff was happening and everything. I mm-hmm. wanted to do some kind of April Fool's joke, and they had gone pretty badly in the past. So I was told pretty much to make something very low key and not take up anyone else's time, like any of the artists or anything. So, um, yeah, I pretty much just spent an hour thinking of weird things that we could do as a joke from yo yo games, and I just made that Game Maker Microwave thing. Um, I did actually want to take someone else's time away and do like a, a whole CGI video where it would look like we were putting a game on a microwave, but that might have been taking it a bit too far. So, um, yeah, I just made that graphic and we put it out and it was received pretty well, actually, considering we were kind of worried that people might get annoyed like they did at the previous three or four April Fool's jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some interesting results to the early ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing some of the reactions, and I'm like, "Whoa, people! It, it's it's April Fools! It's, it's all yeah. good. Don't worry." <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm glad that you you got to turn it around, and I I got a good laugh out of that earlier. I stumbled upon it. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> but there there was some. You know what it was? Facebook. You used to be able to name. Well, I think you, I think you still could do this, but. Um, you were able to create your own app, and then you could you could post from the API to it, and people would just put whatever name uh, for the app. So it'd be like yeah. it'd be like Brett Hudson posted from you know Febreze eight ounce can, or eight eight ounce can, and yeah. you know posted from microwave, and people would be like, "How'd you post that from your microwave?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to uh, talk about or say before we, we head off? Um, I guess we'd pretty much just plug our, our website, our Facebook, and our Twitter and everything and ask that you Why follow off? us and like. <laughs> All right, sweet. And back the Kickstarter. <laughs> yep, I'm back the Kickstarter and download all of our games. Most of them are free, so go crazy on them, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and everything no, you can possibly the, do. Don't get the free ones. The free ones are a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, it's checkered.inc or checkeredinc.com. You'll be able to find everything you want about us. So. Yep, and if cool. you're listening to the archive version of this, all the links will be available on the site if you click on the show topics button. Uh, otherwise, uh, one, one other thing that we didn't bring up, Andrew, you released Nala's Dead, yes. which is a 12-year collection. Like, what? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I was sort of trying to work out something to do in the new year, sort of just coming off, um, actually, no, I started it before that, so that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, about sort of halfway into December, it must have been, um, I don't remember this very much. <laughs> I just, I, I just vaguely remember going. You know what? I've done everything that I'm going to release under Nal now because I've I opened up Checkered Ink sort of you know based font accounts, um, 
everything I do as a game now, even free stuff and stupid stuff goes under Checkered Ink and everything, I figured, right, let's just retire the kind of now games thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not really retired, but nothing else gets released under it. So it was like, how do we make some easy money? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go into the archive, just bundle everything, make it a nice pack. And also, because I fancy doing a bit of writing at the time, but there's very little I can do as writing that's worthwhile. I figured I'd write a little bit of backstory on it all. So now as dead as that it's you know the 130 odd games i released as you know as now in the 12 13 years or so um it's got 220 odd fonts which is the same mm-hmm. it's got uh multiple incomplete games and sort of versions like pre pre-release versions of the finished games and it's got a sort of 50 odd page if i remember correctly pdf that kind of gives backstory on it Wow, and that's pretty much it. It's yeah, it's um, I, I wouldn't recommend buying it for a couple of weeks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sale. Um, <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I guess follow us on Twitter and you'll find out. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Nice segue. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, if you guys want to stick around for a moment afterwards, uh, that'd be fantastic. Or otherwise, we are going to jump into our credits. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 73 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Audacity. If you enjoyed this show and are interested in more, you can visit our archive at IndieFunction.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Our next show will be on... Let me click here. March 12th with an unannounced guest. Thank you again for listening in to Indie Radio, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend.